We're going to be continuing our study in Luke chapter 6. Sermon handouts are right there, so grab a pen and grab your sermon handout. If you got your Bible, turn to Luke 6. We're going to pick up on verse number 12, all right? Now, we're going to, do, we're going to start a, a two-parter starting this week and next week, all focused on how to be perfect, how to be perfect. It was funny because last service, somebody yelled, is it possible <laughs> how to be perfect? In a culture that dictates to us the standard of perfection, how do you survive? And this is a, this is a pretty big thing in our culture because we feel perfection comes from a look, but perfection does not come from a look. You know, our culture dictates, especially the women, you know, this is how you're supposed to, how tall, how your hair is supposed to look, how short you're supposed to be, your skin tone, your color, your makeup, all that other stuff. And they identify with that, but, but, uh, but perfection does not come from a look. Perfection does not come from possessions. The matter the car you drive, the house you have, or anything else, that does not make you perfect. Perfection is not necessarily a behavior thing. It's not something you can just act out. I've met a lot of people that look perfect, and then they open their mouth, and you realize you are so, <laughs> you are so not perfect. All right, so it's not behavior. Perfection is actually a state of being and a state of existence. And we're going to explore this this week, and we're going to continue with this next week. So, all right, y'all ready to dive into some good stuff? All right, let's have a good time. All right, so in verse 12, it says, One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, who he also designated as apostles. Now, in Jerusalem, in the mountainsides, they used to have these things called oratories, which are known as places of prayer, all right, little houses. And uh, the Jews could go into these houses, and they could just stay there as long as they wanted to and pray. And you probably heard in the scriptures many times where it's saying Jesus went to a secluded place or he went to the mountainside to pray. That's where he went. You know, we all thought he was out just in the woods walking and praying. Nah, he actually had a place that he prayed. All right, and he spent all night praying there, all night long. Why do you think he spent the whole night praying? Hmm? Because that's him. Why else? Yep. He wanted to know God's will. He had a pretty important decision to make, didn't he? Right? He had to choose his 12 disciples. And I mean, and it wasn't one of those prayers that we send up, you know, in desperation. You know, Lord, just give me the answers to the test. Do something. You know, make her like me. None of that stuff. It was real prayers. Because he had a real decision to make. Now, here are some of the benefits of praying, all right? Prayer brings you closer to God, amen, right? Do you feel closer to God when you pray? Yeah, it brings you closer to God. Prayer keeps selfishness in check. It's kind of hard to go to prayer when you got all selfish motives in your heart, right? That kind of goes away. Prayer improves your attitude. Yeah, this is why some of y'all need to be praying, like, all the time, <laughs> Because it's going to improve your attitude. Prayer reduces stress. Do you know prayer is a stress reliever? You can't be stressed out in prayer. The reason you're there is so that you're not stressed, all right? And prayer helps you gain forgiveness. Amen? It's the connection between you and God now. Now, many people struggle with prayer. All right? I mean, honestly, let's all be honest because you're in church, so it counts twice, right? Honestly, how many of you actually have an active everyday prayer life? Yeah, not everybody. And many people struggle with this because they go to prayer and they don't know what to do. You know, they're like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to have a time of prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this. And then they get in there and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And so there's this one factor, this one thing that can completely change your prayer life. It'll guarantee that your prayer life is easy and enjoyable. It's the one thing that if you have this when you go to prayer, you're going to be so excited when you leave. You're not going to, you just can't wait to get back into it. All right, can even any of you figure out what that one thing is? 
That's why I said figure out. <laughs> a plan? That's good, a plan. What else? What else do you have to have? And you've been in the last service, no. What do you need? Well, God should be there already. So that's why you're, go, you're going, you know you're going to God to pray, right? So it's not that. A plan is close, but it's, come on. I, look, I have, more, I have more answers than from junior high, so y'all got to, y'all got to, y'all. What's, yeah, you told him. What was he going to say? Huh? A schedule, schedule of prayer times are very good, but you have to come to God with a reason. You got to come to God with a reason. Look, you got to come to God with a purpose of being there. I mean, and many of us, we all have reasons to come to God to pray. You know, I have a test coming up. I'm flunking a class. I'm, I got to make a decision on what school I'm going to need to be going to. Or I got a sports, you know, thing coming up. Or my parents are going through a divorce. I'm dealing with a relationship. I'm struggling in areas in my life. We all have these reasons that we could take to God. And many of us, we don't bring them to prayer. We feel we can deal with them on our own. We feel we could work it out on our own instead of taking it to God. And when you take that reason to prayer and you take it in and you go to God, God's going to give you answers. And then when you leave there, you've got answers to these problems. So when you walk out, you're excited because now you've got solutions to everything. And God begins to work those things out. You're so excited you want to come back. Why would you not want to come back when you're going to get answers to everything that's going on in your life? So all we have to do is take the reasons to prayer. Amen? And it develops this harmony between you and God. All right, now in verse 14, it goes on and says, now these are all the disciples that he chose and he named them apostles, okay? And we're going to drop down right to verse 16. Because in verse 16, it says, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now here's our next question. Do you think Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him? You do? Then why did he pick him? Huh? Give, us, give him a second chance. What did you say? He might have needed him to betray him at one point. That was some people thought the same thing. Yeah. You know, I feel God gives everybody an opportunity. He gives everybody a chance. Everybody gets a chance. You know, and I, and I like that idea because that means that, praise God, I got a chance. <laughs> that means if, if, he, if he chose him, Lord Jesus, well, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. He gives everybody a chance. Amen? All right. So now we're going, I'm going to just read through verse 17 down, down a little bit. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. 
Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how your ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you're going to go hungry. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how your, their ancestors treated the false prophets. Now, I've heard a bunch of teachings on this. It's known as the Beatitudes. All right. And the main one everybody focuses on is rich. Now, I've heard people say, well, see, that's why you got to be careful with money. You got to be careful with riches. You got to be careful with wealth. You can't have a lot and all this. And see, I'm in financial ministry, and wealth is a moving target. Rich is a moving target. Who knows what's, who's to say what rich is? You know, so you really can't dictate what rich is. And the other thing that's funny is most people use that scripture, but they don't talk about woe to you who are well fed. You know, they don't say, hey, you know what, you need to start pushing the plate away and spend your life. Uh-uh, they don't talk about it because Christians eat. One thing we do in the church is eat. <laughs> and we like to eat. And see, one thing, I, I love to eat. See, some people just enjoy food. No, I enjoy food, okay? And one of my favorite restaurants is this restaurant called La Paria. Come on, somebody. Have y'all ever heard of La Paria? Have y'all ever, oh, my, look, look, look. Here, we were there just a few weeks ago. Here's a picture of my last, see, I'm telling y'all, the, the Holy Ghost is in the room. Y'all need to understand, <laughs> anytime we talk about food, the Spirit of God shows up. Look, let, let me explain to you what I, what I was eating. See, the plate at the bottom is a skirt steak on uh, peppers and onions. Jesus. To the left is a chicken enchilada. Come on, somebody. Y'all need to understand, <laughs> a chicken enchilada. And then, wait, to the back is three fiery fiesta tacos. And then to the right is the refried beans and rice. Look, let's just stand and receive the anointing in this place. Look, I'm telling you, I, I love to eat. And so when I read the scripture and they talk about woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I, look, I like to eat. I'm full all the time. And then they go on and say, woe to you who are rich. And seeing people figure, if you can eat that much food, you got to be rich. <laughs> and then they go, woe to you when people speak good of you. And people speak good of me. So that, look, I'm going, then that can't really mean what it means, right? But I know in my heart, everything I got came from him. Everything I have came from God. See, the proper position of a believer is a position of being empty. See, it's hard when you have built your whole life full of all this wealth and riches, and then now you have to go serve God. Because now you have to trust God to give it all back to you. You know, when you're fully satisfied, you've got to empty yourself to trust God to give it to you. You know, when you're so used to people speaking good of you because you're great at sports or you're good looking or you're this and that, you've got to give it all up and let God be the one that speaks good of you. See, that's what he was trying to tell us. Amen? All right, let's go. Ooh, I just want to look at that picture again for a minute. All right, let's go. 
Don't be rushing me, dude. All right, here we go. Verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. It sounds like he's saying, just let people run all over you, right? <laughs> just let them take your shirt, take your shoes, slap you. <laughs> and it makes you wonder, was he just saying, let people just run all over you and do whatever they want? No, what Jesus was trying to tell us is this. It's really hard to take away something from somebody who's willing to give it all. When you're willing to give it all, it doesn't matter. You can have it. You know, back in 2003, I had this, uh, it was a Saturn, right? This little Saturn car uh, when I was living in Arizona. And I mean, and it was banging. I had two 12s in the trunk, an Alpine stereo system. <laughs> this thing was hot, <laughs> right? And uh, one day I came out and my car was stolen. You know, it was stolen, probably because I come through the apartment complex with my subs banging, so they knew what I had in the car, right? Which tells you, don't, don't do that. Anyway, so anyway, I come out and my car is stolen. And the first thing I said was this, whoever took it, if they needed it, they can have it. Whoever took it, if they needed it, they can have it. Just let it go. I just let it go. Well, a year later, literally exactly a year later, I got this letter in the mail from Maricopa County Police Station, which is in Arizona, saying that your car has been recovered. So I go down and pick the car up. Now, here's what they, the guys did. They drove it till they ran out of gas and left it in front of somebody's farm. And the, the farmer, he didn't know. He thought some kids just left it there, so he left it there, right? Left my car out there sold the farm and the new owners were like, well, look, this car's on the farm, report it. And they reported it, I got my car back with everything in it. Everything still in it. Now here's the next thing. While I was waiting for my other car to get here, I released in the letter go, I had brought two other cars. So now I had three cars at the time. See, when you give it all to God, it comes back to you and multiplies. When you let God be your source and you give up what you got, you let go what's in your hand, God's going to give it back to you and multiplies. That's a good point. Amen? So we have to be willing to give it all. Verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks of you. Then I just talk about that, give. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do the others as you will have them do to you. The golden rule, we all know that, right? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And what's the reward? You will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And I like the version that Matthew, because in Matthew uh, chapter 5, he tells the same story, but he says it this way. Be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. You can be perfect. Because perfection comes from God. This is the perfect life. 
Spending time in prayer. You bring God all your reasons and you trust him. God is your only source, so he's only, only, your only answer. Whether you're rich, hungry, poor, or whatever, God is your answer. And being willing to give it all and let it go. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I just give you glory and honor and praise for this night, Lord. I thank you uh, that we find perfection in you. Father, that we find who we are only in you. Father, that we don't live up to the world's standards. We don't live up to what this culture says we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to act. We look at you and allow you to perfect in us who we are. Father, it's, it's hard trying to keep up with everything else that's going around us. But this night, Lord, we want to give it all over to you, and we want to just release that and let it go. Father, we want to release everything that says this is the standard. We want to release everything that says this is the way it's supposed to be. We want to release everything and just surrender to your will in our life, Lord. Father, it's so stressful trying to keep up with everything else around us. But we find relief in you. Complete relief in you. With your head still bowed, if that's you and you say, Pastor Tommy, I've been looking at world standards and what they say I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to live, the way I'm supposed to look, the way I'm supposed to, to, to act, and, and all of those things. And yes, you're right. Uh, it, it has been hard trying to keep up with the world standards and the way this culture is leading, but, uh, but I, I want to get rid of that tonight. I want to release that tonight. I just want God to know that I'm just giving that all over to him and allowing him to perfect in me who I am. If that's you, could you just raise your hand and let me pray for you? Amen. 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 Father God, every hand that went up, Lord, and everyone that has acknowledged that, Father, we just pray for them right now that you give them strength to continue to stand as you have called them to be and as you have designed them to be. Father, let them continue to look to your word and look to you as their source. Let them come to you when times get hard. Father, let them find their identity in your presence. And let them walk out of here liberated and set free this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, now next week, we're going to dig into this even deeper. And we're really going to deal with identity and identifying who we are in Christ and how, how Christian conduct is supposed to be. Amen.